episode of the Circumpolar People podcast. Today we will be discussing the Evenki people. My name is Ethan Richardson and my co-hosts are Cheyenne Helmley, Chase Reeves, and David Indagiro. What we first want to talk about is the history of the Evenki people. In 11th century BC, the Tungus people or a northern branch of the Tungus people migrated north and northeast. The 11th century? Wow, that's that's a long time ago. They've been here a while. Yeah, it is a long time, and uh, they migrated onto the shores of the Sea of Okhotsk. Uh, they eventually settled down here, and they eventually became known as the Evenki. The Evenki, or Tungus, are reindeer herders and pastoralists who live across Siberia, as well as North Manchuria and China and Mongolia. When it comes to the Evenki, and specifically the Evenki that live in the Russia and Siberia area, around 40% of the Evenki population lives in the Saha Republic, which is in the northeast part of Siberia. The Evenki people are divided into two main groups. The first is the reindeer herders in the north who live in the tundra and the pastoralists who live in the mountains and the forest in the China and Mongolia area. After they are divided into these two main groups, they are then divided into five smaller groups after that. These groups are the Birar, the Managir, the Mata, the Ile, and the Orochen. The Evenki people are not a very big population. Uh, In total, they come to 68,000 people. Uh, And while this population is small, they are spread over a wide margin. When it comes to their density, they are one person per 250 kilometers. Wow, that's a lot. We live in neighborhoods with one acre plots. I can't even imagine living that far away from my neighbor. Yeah, in fact, they are uh, considered to be the most widespread uh, Siberian indigenous tribe in the world. The Evenki people also speak a Tungus Manchu language. This language is mostly related to Chinese. And while they speak this Chinese-like language, they look like Mongolians and they live in family units called brigades. I was wondering, did your research take you to any information about the relationship between the Evens and the Evenki? In fact, it did. Uh, The Evenki and Even are two groups more alike than different. Uh, Some of the things that they are more alike or more similar about are their lifestyle, the Tungus Manchu language they speak, the religion that they worship, and the Altaic language in general. That's really interesting. I think my favorite fact that I found was that until around a century ago, there was actually no distinction made between the Even and the Evenki. What I also found interesting is the summer solstice. And the summer solstice is basically a mega festival, also known as the Yasik festival, which is a celebration of Turkic, Mongolian peoples, Iveni, and of course the Evenki. So this is not solely an Evenki event, which was pretty interesting for me to learn because I didn't know that going into this. This is also known as the largest gathering of people wearing their traditional clothing, and it draws in about 200,000 people annually. 
Just to put that number into perspective, there are only 500,000 Yakuts. So a total of 200,000 person show up is nearly half of the population, which is insane, but awesome. The main purpose behind the festival is to thank the spirits for the coming of the new year. So you can kind of relate it to our New Year's Eve, I would guess. They show thanks by sacrificing fermented mare's milk, horsehair, and festive foods to the spirits. There is lots of eating, dancing, sports contests, and just some overall major celebrating. The larger Yesik festivals can last for up to a couple of days with pop concerts, fashion shows, markets, and a ritual greeting of the sun at dawn. Yesak holidays are heavily marked by their political hierarchy. Local politicians deliver speeches after the main ritual and hold banquets for prominent guests. Something else that's interesting is that they have a symbol that can be seen at the summer solstice and all around called the Aluk Mas, which translates to sacred tree. It's a very important symbol to Yakut culture and is depicted all over the Republic of Yakutia. Speaking of culture, the Avinki culture is heavily focused on reindeer herding, which is the main reason they're referred to as reindeer people by themselves and others. And one of the main aspects of their culture is their religion, which traditionally is shamanistic. And they also have adopted other religions such as Eastern Orthodox Christianity from Russia and Tibetan Buddhism, which is from Mongolia and China. Uh, one of the primary source of the Evenki people is a wild game. Rendering and elk are particularly popular as they are well adapted to the cold climate region. Hunting these animals are required skills and knowledge as the Evenki people must track and kill without use the modern technology. They often trap and snare or rely on their hunting dogs to help them to locate and catch their prey. Once animals are killed, they are typically skinned and the meat is roasted over a, an open fire. Wow, that's really interesting. I, uh, I'm a hunter, but I still go to Kroger for most of my food, so I cannot imagine having to do that every day. But um, Chase mentioned religion, so did we get anything about shamanism? Yeah, the shamans are in charge of uh, communing for the clan between what they know as the three worlds, which consist of the upper world, which is mainly good spirits, such as animistic spirits that are based in different aspects of nature. The middle world is our world, where humans live. The lower world is what is known as the world of the dead and can also contains darker spirits. And it is also the place where people go when they die. Well, that sounds really morbid. Um, another another thing that I found when it came to their religion is that they traditionally practice ancestor uh, worship and something also called animism. And animism is defined as the belief in a supernatural power that organizes and animates the material universe. So this means that there are gods that they worship that uh, control the elements such as like the fire god or the wind god um yeah an example of animism would be how the Evenki people have a deep respect for bears and also some birds they actually pray to them for good weather and hunting 
And something else that's really interesting is that whenever they eat bear meat, they conduct the same rituals that they do for their own dead. So they definitely hold them to a very high respect. Uh, another example will be like uh, in the previous years, they even keep practiced wind burial in which bones of the dead are hung in a hollow tree suspended on a stump under the influence of the Orthodox Church that changed the earth burial. Uh, also, the Ivenki people have a unique, varied diet that is closely tied to their traditional nomadic lifestyle. They rely heavily on hunting, fishing, and gathering their food, and have a strong addition of making dairy products from reindeer milk. Their diet is highly on protein and fats, which is necessary for the survival in the harsh climate condition of the region. Despite the challenges they face, the Ivanki people have developed a rich and flavorous cuisine that reflect their deep connection to the land their, of their traditional way. Uh, yeah, earlier you mentioned uh, like hunting and fishing, and these are some of the um, main ways of life for the Ivanki people. Um, the four that I found in my research was their reindeer hunting, uh, nomadism, uh, hunting, and fishing. Uh, when it comes to fishing specifically, uh, the some of the fish that they fish up, uh, they use uh, and skin and make clothes out of them, which is something that I would not wear personally because I'm sure it'd feel weird. Speaking of their clothing, uh, their traditional clothing is more often used in winter nowadays they used to wear obviously all the time but now in the summer the most of Enki usually wear western clothing such as like mass-produced stuff in factories well that's really neat um when i was researching i found that the southern Enki who live in china and mongolia mongolia uh wear the mongolian deal which is kind of like traditional clothing down there Uh, one of the notable aspects of the Ivenki diet is their use of animal fat. The Ivenki people consume a large amount of fat from animal sources, including reindeer, elks, and fish. This is because fat is a highly efficient source of energy, and it's necessary to survive the cold winters of the region. The Ivenki people also believe that animal fats have healing property and used to treat a variety of aliments. That, that's really neat. Um, I wouldn't really consider uh, these things having healing properties, but it's something that they believe in, and it ties into that uh, their religion and their respect for uh, animals and such. Yeah, also I think it's so cool how like they're so dependent on protein because they, they need that to survive, and when we're hungry, we just go grab a bag of chips, but they need something with actual, like, substance because that's how they live. Uh, speaking of their hunting lifestyle, one of the important holidays, or rather events, which is known as the Bear Feast, is held after a group of hunters kill a bear. And it's usually a three-day process, and on the first day, the bear is brought to the hunter's settlement and butchered. And... The whole tribe celebrates 
until midnight when they use a crow call to, you know, call or summon the people to the feast. Where they, well, the first day is the bear's neck meat, which is boiled. And after that, they quietly walk home in silence. And then on the second day, a similar process takes place, except it involves the bear's heart, which is cut into small pieces and put into a soup. And similar process, they dance and celebrate. And at midnight, they do a crow call to summon them to the second feast. And then on the third day, which revolves around the bear's head, uh, it's a little bit different. They place the head on a mat and adorn it with like uh, decorations to celebrate its life or whatever. And then after that, the head is skinned and boiled and uh, communally eaten. And then finally, after the three days, they take the bear's skull and place it on a high pole in the forest. Uh, all that is really interesting, but I'm not sure I'd want to try any of that food. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be particularly fond of bear heart. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really interesting how they keep it in such a high regard, their food and spirits. I mean, like, we have Thanksgiving, but we do not celebrate the turkey as much as we should, I feel like, <laughs> after hearing that. They also celebrate a few Russian holidays, including the New Year and Victory Day. What's Victory Day, do you know? Uh, if I remember right, it is when World War II ended. Okay. That might be wrong. Hmm, that's really nice. Uh, back to me, in more modern times, uh, as in the 20th century, so not too modern, um, there was a group of Evenki people that I uh, researched, and these people lived in uh, the region of Neri Ungri, uh, specifically in the village of Yangra. Uh, this group of the Evenki uh, went to school in this coal mining town. Uh, the children went to school, um, and this school acted as a residential school to where they could stay there during the winter months uh, to allow the parents to go out and hunt and work to provide for their family. That's crazy when you look at our schools from theirs because I cannot imagine being away for the whole winter just to come back after months of not seeing my family. Um, also speaking about the modern Evenki, I found some research that the Evenki dream of setting up a reindeer production facility that can survive without government help. And they want to live a life similar to the Scandinavian Laps, who traditionally reindeer herding, um, but they also have like other things like hot showers, cell phones, decent incomes and televisions. The Evenki also hope to sell reindeer antlers in Korea and China as an Asian medicine. The biggest obstacle that they have is transportation costs, though. Well, that's interesting to hear, because when you th typically think about indigenous people, you wouldn't think of them as having, like, phones and 
uh, that kind of technology. Right, like some of the videos we watched in class um, this semester, a lot of them had technology, but they were still living in their traditional homes. It was kind of a funny contrast to see, but they're not completely deserted from modern times. Yeah, it's something that they have to adapt to and adapt enough to where that they don't make it harder on themselves, but they also want to preserve the ancestors' way of life. Right. Did anybody else have anything they wanted to say? Where is it? No. Okay, I guess, I guess we're done. Uh, I also have a thing about the uh, their nomadic lifestyle, which... Traditionally, the Venki were also very nomadic, and uh, it changed a lot due to the Soviet Union's intervention when they intruded on their lands and, as a result, caused environmental damage because of mining and logging, which forced them to be less nomadic, as well as a consequence of residential schools. Uh, but. Lately, or not lately, but more recently, many of the Evenki have tried to return to their nomadic lifestyle that their ancestors once did. Mm-hmm.